we are hey, wrapping up um, Cage Free. And with that, we as we are looking at the, the freedom that God has brought into our lives, the, the little question that rolls in the back of our mind is this. I'm so thankful that God has brought freedom into uh, my life, but how do I continue to live this freedom out, continue to live free? We're about to spend a good bit of time in Galatians chapter six, and when you read through the book of Galatians, if there's one theme for the book of Galatians, it's freedom, and so, and Paul, as he helps his his readers, those who are in the area in the region of Galatia, to, to learn what it means to be free in Christ as he has stepped into that and, and, and helped them explore that within his final part of his letter is about what it means to actually live free, to actually live in that freedom. So let's just go ahead and jump into our notes this morning that we've led with this concept, this idea every week that Jesus set us free so that we can live free. Uh, Galatians 5.1 has been our theme verse, and it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You've been set free. Don't slide back into some of the same types of stuff that had us needing freedom to begin with. Don't go back into that space. And if you've been on social media for at all in the last couple of years, um, you've seen a little video, okay? A little video of this this sheep. And, and it looks like somebody had dug a narrow, deep ditch, like they're gonna lay pipe or something like that. And, and so it's just this narrow ditch. And, and it opens up, the video opens up on this, this sheep that is stuck down, wedged inside this skinny little ditch. And it's just stuck inside there. And somebody um, has some compassion whether it's the person that's actually responsible for this sheep or we don't know who it is, but they go up and we see them and they grab a hold of this, of this sheep who's just wedged in there and just stuck and yank and yank and pull and finally they set the sheep free and the sheep is so excited. They set them down. The sheep takes one little jump, just jumps straight up in there. You just tell it's just so excited to be free and lands right back in the ditch. A little further down, but just right right back in the same ditch. And this is what Paul is saying, let's avoid, okay? Let's not do that. Let's, let's embrace the freedom and then let's live free. But what I want to give you a heads up to is this truth that as we are living our lives out, um, we have to understand that there are some times that there are moments where we will find ourselves back in the same ditch. And we just want to say, even though we're gonna talk about not doing that and what it looks like to live and not get back into those, there are those of us in the room who are gonna find ourselves back into some of those same familiar ditches. And I need you to hear me clearly, okay? I need you to hear me clearly. 
God's mercies are new every morning, okay? They're not just new every time we connect with him. They don't replenish themselves on the, the lunar cycle, you know, when you're just gonna have to deal with it. They're, it's new every morning. And so just because you had to cry out to God during at some point during this series and ask for some help for on some front and God genuinely set you free, don't think because in a couple of months or a couple of years, if you start dealing with some of the same stuff that you can't just go right back to God again. In fact, this experience ought to let you know how good he is at bringing freedom. Here's the problem is we analyze it from a human perspective. We look at it from human thought flow and we think, you know what, man, God was so good. He got me out of my mess last time. It just seems wrong for me to ask him to get me out of the same thing all over again. And no, here's what's wrong. Here's what's wrong is that, the, is that the enemy coming in and having victory again. That's what's wrong. And so we need to understand his mercies are new every morning. So even though we're going to look at what it takes to, to live free, I get it, that there are going to be struggles. There are going to be things. And please know, please know that you can always go to God. He is there and ready to move in our lives. As we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. We need the Holy Spirit to understand what God has freely given us. We can't understand it from a human perspective. We won't get it. It doesn't make sense. We can't analyze it from a human perspective. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. Why? Because a human level doesn't get God the, the size of God's heart, the size of God's love, the strength of his grace. The human mind doesn't get it. So if we don't let the Holy Spirit reveal it to us, we will analyze our own lives and go, you know what? If I was God, I'd be done with me by now. Well, guess what? You're not God, praise God. And he's not done with you by now. The other side of it is if, uh, if I was God, I'd be done with them by now. Well, guess what? You're not God, praise God. And he's not done with them either. And so there's this space that we need the Holy Spirit to reveal to us so we can even begin to wrap our minds around what he has freely given to us. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives front to back all the way through. And the best way I know to kind of begin to wrap our minds around what this looks like um, is the fact that when we say yes to Jesus, we're fully God's child. He gives us everything that pertains to life and godliness. The problem is, is our normal carnal minds, we've not learned it yet. We don't know it yet. So it it would play out like this, that, that you have some relative you've never even heard of, okay? Some relative that, that you have, you've never met, no one's ever talked about them. And for some reason, this relative passed away and left you their entire estate worth millions and millions of dollars. And, and you, you've never even heard of them. And, and, you, and you get a call, you get a text, you get, a, you get an email from a lawyer. And this lawyer opens up and says, you know, I, I, I'm so sorry for your loss for the relative you have never met. And but they've left everything to you. 
and I need you to, to take this plane ticket and to get on this plane and, and to fly over here so that I can show you what is already yours. And so, and then you jump on the plane and you go, and then now this attorney is acting in the, in the role of the Holy Spirit and begins to, to show you and it rolls you up to the estate, to the house and says, well, you know, this was your relative's house and here's all of the furnishings. Here's everything. We're, we're going to go out to, to the garages and we're going to open up the garages and see the cars that are now yours. You don't have to do anything. They're, they've been freely given to you and, and we're going to get with the accountant and here are the accounts and, and here are the, the resources and the money that are, that are freely yours. And, and now we're going we're gonna to take a drive down to, to the business and, and you're going to be able to see the, the business and begin to understand because this business and, and its income, it's, it's freely yours. The thing is, is it was yours as soon as that person passed away and passed it to you. But until it began to be revealed to you, until somebody began to show you what was yours, that car that was catching dust in that garage was, it was yours the whole time, but you weren't able to enjoy it or utilize it until someone showed it to you. The Holy Spirit's role is to reveal to you what is the, the fullness of the covenant that we have in Christ because of what Jesus did. Praise God, praise God. The most important thing, we get it straight from the beginning. It's ours. We say yes to Jesus. We understand that his death paid the price for our death, that the grace has been extended to us. We are fully forgiven. We say yes to that and we step over from death to life and heaven is ours. We're a child of God and heaven is our home. Bam, it is ours. But there's so much more in the covenant. There's so much more in it. We have the, the Holy Spirit who will lead and guide us and begin to, to grow his fruit in our life. As a child of God, we can begin to reflect the nature of God. When something rough happens in our life, we don't have to explode every time like we've always done, like our parents did, like our grandparents did. We can now live out a new family tree. We can now begin to respond in patience, in goodness, begin to see a new chain of events begin to unfold. All of a sudden we now have these new things, but the Holy Spirit has to reveal it to us. That wisdom is part of our covenant. Peace is part of our covenant. Health and restoration is part of our covenant, but we need the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us. And so as the Holy Spirit begins to reveal what it looks like to live free, we have to recognize that one of the first things we're going to see is that Jesus has freed us so that we can be agents of freedom. To be agents of freedom. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch out and watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Being involved in one another's process and one another's journey, that is the law of Christ. Not just you just take care of yourself. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. No, you're violating the law of Christ. You cannot fully live out your relationship with God by yourself. Amen. 
You have to be involved in other people who are on the same journey. That is where what God is doing in us begins to, to make a difference in other people's lives. He wants to utilize the freedom to bring more freedom. Yes. See, the, the best way to, if you've learned a language, to keep that language alive is to use it, to speak to somebody who understands it. You begin to park that and not use that. All of a sudden, it begins to little, gets a little rusty and a little dusty and you're not able to function in it. The best way to live free is to utilize the freedom God has given you and to do it wisely. You'll see over and over again in recovery ministry, there are people who have who just struggled with addiction, struggled with that, and then God sets them free. And I mean, sets them free. And man, and they sit there and they're on a new path. And over and over and over again, God will begin to utilize that person to help set other addicts free. Over and over and over again, he'll take a marriage that's just been, just filed the paperwork, just absolutely right, just dealing with every messed up thing a marriage could deal with. And they bring that broken, messed up marriage to God and, and let God really speak life into it, really let the Holy Spirit work there and bring a place of restoration, knit it together, make it something new. And over and over again, you'll see that couple on some level being involved in marriage ministry, taking the freedom that they have been given and helping set others free in that same space. It changes things. It changes things. And guess what? There's anointings that'll be on your life for the freedom you have. I can never minister to. Me as pastor, I can never minister to it. I saw this a number of years ago. There was a, an awesome guy who was a part of our church. Him and his wife are a part of our church. And, and we were very tight. Did their wedding. Helped be a, be a part of our, our launch team. Was part of our tech team. A great part. And I was counseling with him on a regular basis. And he had a military background and had seen and experienced horrendous, horrendous things on the battlefield. And I um, was just dealing with significant PTSD. And, and I, I, would, I would meet with him and he would share. And I, I would coach him with the scriptures and coach him with the word and pray over him. And it was just not helping, not helping at all. This guy and his wife, they, they loved us deeply. And he came to me one day and he's like, pastor, I have a hard time saying this. He's like, but, but I, I feel like that God's leading us to a different church here in town. I was like, man, you know, I, I love you, but you, you, you gotta, you gotta obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. Like you, you gotta go where the Holy Spirit sends you. And, um, and I was like, but you know, are, are we, are we good? He's like, yes, we're good. We're good. And, um, it's like, okay. And um, so then they go and connect with another wonderful ministry here in San Angelo. And um, he contacts me about six weeks later. And he says, hey, can, um, can, we, uh, can we have coffee? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to have coffee with you. So we meet for coffee and, and he begins to tell me, he says, well, this church, it has a, has a veterans ministry. And he said, and I sat down and I began to deal with some of these guys who had seen the stuff I had seen who had dealt with the tragedy of the, the loss of their, their friends, the way that I had seen the, just the, the, the mess that I had seen and said, and, and, and he began to open the scriptures and he began to tell me these things and show me these things in the scriptures. And as he's sharing them with me, I'm going, I've told you that like four times. 
and sitting there, I'm like, we've met. I'm like, I've pointed you to the same truth, these same things, multiple times, multiple times. This, this, this other guy pointed him to the exact same things. Here's the problem. It was one of those things I had never experienced it. And he was like, I just don't know that you really know where I'm coming from, that that can really set me free. That that can really set me free. And I said, yeah, it can set you free. And then someone who got free just like that with that set him free. Changed his life, changed him forever, changed the way he interacted as a dad and a father and a, and a husband. It just changed everything. And I was like, okay, God, I get it. I get it. There are things that people can speak into I can never speak into. Same words, same Holy Spirit. But there is something about your testimony. There's something about your testimony. You say, God set me free in this space, in this way, and he can set you free too. Your testimony is powerful. And you need to open your mouth and you need to share it. If God has done something throughout this series in your life, open your mouth to somebody and share it. But here's the thing you gotta be conscious of, be aware of. We're not gonna let your freedom and you sharing it become a different kind of cage. Because here's what can happen, is you share about that God did something significant in your marriage. And then you're just lovey-dovey and all's good and you begin to share it with some other struggling people and they're inspired. And you get three years down the road, you hit a new trial. You hit a new something you've not dealt with. It's not so lovey-dovey, marriage is a little struggling. Now you're needing some help. You need to be able to care, someone to carry your burden. But you've already bragged on what God has done in your marriage. And now you're like, how can I say I'm struggling in my marriage when I've bragged about God healing my marriage? And then you stay isolated in this new cage that all of a sudden, because God did something before, now you're not willing to open up about the new thing. Do not let the freedom that God's given you become a different kind of cage. He wants to begin to you low. If you hit a space that you need someone to help you carry your load, guess what? God will put people in your space, in your life to help carry the load. It makes a total difference. And I want you to notice, I want you to notice this. It says, he's, Paul uses the word, if someone is caught in a sin. Paul uses freedom language here, okay? Because if someone's caught, that means they should be free, okay? That there should be freedom there. So Paul continues to use freedom language when someone's dealing with a sin. Here's what, if, we be, if we're honest, we would have written if someone commits a sin, we need to address it. Because then we come out and say, you need to stop it and you need to straighten up and you know better. And what are you doing? But if we think someone's been caught, that there's a real enemy who set a real trap and they and their ignorance and their emotions, their weakness step into that trap. If we see someone is caught, we have compassion. We want to set someone caught free. But if we think someone's just committing something, we think it's their fault and they just need to act better and try harder. One is grace and the other is condemnation. 
when we operate from an idea that if someone is caught in a sin, what they need is they need someone to come along and set them free. That's what we need. And so that is what God has called us into that space. But it's got to be someone who's experienced the freedom. Years ago, my son was, uh, Carson, our youngest son, was uh, playing baseball. And I'm all the Clark Mells for generations have played baseball. And then it came to me and I'm not an athlete and uh, I tried it. It was terrible. Um, genuinely, there's no modesty. I was terrible. And, um, and so I, I did one season of it and then I got off the hook and I didn't have to do that anymore. And so, but then, you know, um, Carson wanted to play and I was like, all right, you've got your mom's athleticism. Um, you, you can probably play, you can probably play baseball. So he's out there playing baseball and the coach, um, um, says, hey, um, I need an assistant coach. Will you help me, you know, coach? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm terrible. I, I realize they're seven-year-olds, but their skills already outpace me. I, I, I cannot keep up with these guys. They're, they're going to do everything better than me. And even sent me some videos, some YouTube videos on how to teach throwing mechanics. And then finally he's like, yeah, no, just don't do that anymore. And uh, But an assistant coach, you have to drag the infield. And so level X, like I can drag a rake I can like make dirt smooth I can do that you know I can be the juice box guy you know I can pass out juice boxes with the best of them I can sit on the bench and tell the boys you know to, to you know to behave and to, to focus and so I, I could do those things I was I was an assistant coach and and so uh, but my 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 influence on Carson kind of showed up one day because they had him playing shortstop. And so Carson is that shortstop. Somebody hits a grounder, balls on the ground. He gets in position, has his glove on the ground, doing everything just right. And then as the ball gets to him, he just jumps over it. He just completely leaps over the ball. And of course it goes under him. They get on base and, you know, I, I, and I'm just yelling at him. Son, what are you doing? That's, that's not how you play ball. Come on, son. You know, and, uh, and so he, you know, he finally, it's our turn at bat and I'm inside the field over there with the boys leaning up against the fence. And, uh, you know, one of these power hitter seven-year-olds comes up and just cracks, you know, this one. And it just goes straight at me on the ground over there by the fence. And sure enough, it gets to me. What do I do? I just jump over. I just jump over the, I just jump over the ball. And I just felt, so, and the coach looks at me like, I've seen that move. I have seen, I've seen that, that move. And so there's a space where I, I didn't have much to offer. I had not been uh, walked in the liberty as a baseball player, but there are spaces where God does set you free. That you don't have to have everything in life just right. You just have to be moving towards Jesus and pointing people towards Jesus into the one who sets us free. We have to be willing where we have experienced freedom. We have to have all the answers on every front, but where God has done something in your life, you can speak to that. You can share with that. That's why you can be saved for 32 seconds. And if you understood the gospel enough to say yes to it, you can turn around and share the gospel and lead someone to Jesus. You don't have to have a degree in theology. You just have to recognize the gospel and begin to share it. You, you just have to share what you understand and what you know. And then we get into verse three. It says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Each one should test his own actions. We don't get to do this for each other. 
and then take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Oh my goodness. In verse two, he says we need to carry one another's burdens. In verse five, he says you need to carry your own load. What, what? Paul, Paul, what are you talking about? Which is it? Are we to carry one another's burdens? Or are we to carry our own load? And the answer is yes, and it's made sense when we look at what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We tend to take that passage of scripture and just stop at it and say, you know what? Um, you can't really, we can't really speak into one another's lives because you think they've got a speck well, you've got a plank and, and then we just kind of all park it. But that's not what Jesus says at all. Jesus says, go ahead and let the work happen in you first. And then you can be a part of the work in someone else. So is this carry our own load or carry someone else's load? The answer is yes. Because we ask these two questions of, of God every day. Lord, what, what do you want to do in me? We stay free by saying, Lord, what do you want to do in me? And then we say, Lord, what do you want to do through me? Because he wants to do something in you and he also wants to do something through you. And if you will live those two things out, Lord, what do you want to do in me? And what do you want to do through me? You'll stay free. He will move you from faith to faith, from glory to glory. He will transform your life. Because the truth is, is that Jesus did the work and our choices still matter. Yes. He did the work, but our choices still matter. Verse seven says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to, the, to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we did not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. He's talking to believers here and says, God's not gonna be mocked. Now he's not telling them, you know, not to tell God jokes or to make fun of God or, or any of those types of things we would think of as mocking God. What he's telling believers, what, what mocks God is us living like what God has to say doesn't matter. That's us mocking God. Like Brandon, I'm not sure about that. Okay, all the parents in the room will recognize, okay? You uh, go tell your kid that they need to go straighten their bedroom up. They're sitting there playing their video game, doing whatever. They need to go straighten their bedroom up. They look at you. They don't make a funny face. They don't say, you know, a smart aleck reply. They look at you and you say, I need you to get up and go do that. And then they just ignore and they just carry on. Like what you had to say doesn't mean anything. Every parent in the room knows, that kid just mocked me. Every parent in the room, that righteous anger rears up and says, 
Now, you, things got to shift right here. They didn't do anything on the outside. They simply just responded in a way like, yeah, well, what you have to say, it doesn't matter to me at all. That's the space where we find. He says, if you begin to just live according to the flesh and think you're going to reap blessing, God's not going to be balked. You're not going to be able to live your life like what he says doesn't matter and then all of a sudden live a life that just, that just reveals the blessings of God. He's like, you cannot have it both ways. If you're going to begin to, to want to see God's hand of blessing in your life, you're going to have to go his way. And it's not that he hands out blessings like little tokens for doing what he said. No, what he said is pointing you to blessing. He's not blessing you because you're cooperating with him. He's, you're being blessed because he's pointing you to blessing with every word that comes out of his mouth. He is leading you to life. And so we need to make sure we walk in that way. Romans chapter 6 verse 13 says, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. You've already stepped over. We're not trying to get from death to life. We're already in life. But now we need to live like we're alive in Christ. We need to make decisions that line up with that. I want us to jump down to Deuteronomy 30, 19. It says, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And Romans 8, 6 says, the mind of sinful man is death will continually go into things that are destructive and hurtful. We will hurt every relationship. We walk in our own wisdom. We will hurt every relationship we touch. We let the spirit of God work. He'll bring life into every relationship we touch. All of a sudden, everything shifts. But the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. I want our worship team to go ahead and come. We're going to end this this morning in a place of worship. Because we need to recognize this, that we must celebrate every life win that comes from the new creation. We are now in Christ. You're not trying to become a new creation. You are a new creation. You're a new creation as soon as you say yes to Jesus. You're a new creation. But you have the Holy Spirit who's teaching you, revealing to you, showing you what it begins to look like, what, he is, what has been freely given you in Christ. Verse 14 says this, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. And that means all the religious obligations. That doesn't mean anything. But what counts is a new creation. Letting him do the new work in you is what counts. I want us to stand up 
and we're going to begin to sing. We're going to begin to celebrate. Our prayer teams are coming. If you need prayer during this space, maybe you just want to seal up what God's already done in this space. Maybe you're struggling for freedom on something fresh right now, but our prayer teams are coming. This altars are open. You can come and, and pray because and just a reminder in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, if you've said yes to Jesus, this includes you. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. God wants to take you forward in life, continue to transform you, continue to bring you into newness. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.